Hello and welcome to episode 297 of the Crate and Crowbar, a PC gaming podcast. Today is the 2nd of October 2019. I'm Marsh Davis and I'm joined by... Tom Francis. And... Alex Wiltshire. Has there been any gaming news, guys? No. (laughs) No. (laughs) Alex is in denial. Um, If you count games being announced and shown, then yes, uh, because... Uh, Teardown was announced, mm. which is a game I've been following without knowing what it is or what it's called <laughs> for many years, uh, by uh, a guy whose name I believe is Dennis Gustafsson. Um, and he's been posting, uh, for a long time, gifs of some kind of game-like project in which, uh, the world is made of voxels and everything is destructible. And he'll just be showing, like, smashing down a wall. And he's also put, ha- has ray tracing lighting, um, and uh, volumetric fog and volumetric lighting and all this really fancy tech. It's his own engine. And previously, he's only really shown just tech stuff. Like, look, you can smash this. If you smash this building while light is streaming in, something else is on fire and the smoke is catching the light and the destructing stuff is changing the the, the shape of those god rays and all this stuff, it all works perfectly. Um, and to my enormous surprise, he's announced the, the game that this is for. And it's a really intelligently scoped, manageable, achievable game that, that <laughs> makes the most of this destruction tech without being sort of a sprawling, overambitious mess. Because the destruction tech is like absolute, isn't it? Like everything can be blown into. Yeah. But not yeah. just blown up. It becomes like a physics-enabled mesh in the world. It doesn't just stick to the voxel grid. Yeah, uh, yeah. exactly. And it uh, has incredibly advanced physics things like um, uh, he showed a, a video recently where he shot the base of a telegraph pole that's connected to others by wires and then attached the dangling pole to a truck, drove the truck away to increase the tension in the wires, and then disconnected it to launch the pole into a building. <laughs> and that all just works with his physics system. Um, and, it, you know, he tweeted stuff about, like, when he's showing off the volumetric lighting stuff, he says, oh, I should be working on gameplay, but it's so much fun to figure out this, all these lighting things. And that is a classic line from <laughs> the kind of programmer who, left to their own devices, will never release anything, because they will just get See, now I understand your relief. Like, I was wondering, <laughs> why is Tom sound so relieved about this? Like, it looks great, like, you know, like, and I'm sure he's pleased about that, but what, there's something that you're actually kind of going, oh, thank God. <laughs> yeah, there's a programmer mindset that that is, um, and it's usually brilliant programmers who have this problem, where they're, they're so... It must be like when you have that kind of brain and you can just make a volumetric lighting system in your own custom engine, I'm sure it is fun. <laughs> I'm sure it's fascinating. And all the problems you solve, if you have the kind of brain that can solve them, it's probably really satisfying and challenging. And uh, programmers like that tend to go down the rabbit holes forever because uh, there's always more to do and there's always more ways you can expand it. And that's usually the opposite mindset to like uh, a very practical game designer slash producer uh, kind of role where you are looking at scope and you're looking at uh, achievability and you're looking at how much progress you've made so far and are you any closer to actually finishing this thing um, and the game he's announced uh, that uses this tech is um, like I say remarkably simple and controlled and measured and um, uh, seems to me like it uh, like a good system to make use of this tech so you enter a, a sort of like a map uh, with a f- several buildings in it um, and when you enter you're in a sort of uh, sandbox phase where there'll be four or five key cards somewhere in this level and eventually you're going to have to take them all but as soon as you take any one of them it's going to start a countdown which is 60 seconds in the uh, in the trailer we showed and so before you take any of them what you want to do is create shortcuts between them so that you can get between all of these different key cards as quickly as possible and they're like mounted on the wall they're not going to do anything until you manually pick them up so uh, you're safe to kind of test out routes and try running around this place uh, and so you use this destruction technology to smash down walls, um, 
one of the examples we showed was like shooting some or breaking the supports for some pipes to make them kind of buckle and fall so that they create a ramp so they can get up to the second floor of this building where there's this other key card. Um, and basically breaking parts of the existing level, re- repositioning others. You can kind of create wooden boards wherever you like to, to make those kinds of ramps um, and getting ready. And then you just take the key cards in whatever order you need to and run past all the um, all these shortcuts you've made and get out of the level before the countdown expires. And he didn't specifically say this, but I um, I assume you're also rated on how fast you did it. So there's more than just getting out of it. Within 60 seconds, you're probably going to be looking at like, uh, okay, my friend did it in 35 <laughs> seconds. How the hell did you do that? What does his build look like? Um, and yeah, that just seems like a really smartly designed game that would, I can see how that would engage, make you engage with all this technology that, that, that is created for it um, in a way that's interesting that hasn't been done before. But it also, I completely believe he'll make and finish this game. <laughs> that seems like mm. all he's got to do now is just make a bunch of these arenas with a bunch of key cards in different places and those are levels. And that's yeah. uh, the hard part. I mean, if he, if he was pitching this as like, you know, a Word document uh, with nothing done yet and he said, oh yeah, I'm going to build my own engine and it's going to be completely voxels and everything's going to be physics <laughs> yeah. and it's going to have volumetric lighting and smoking. I think, mean, fucking hell, you're not going to do that. But he's done that part. <laughs> really difficult part's done. You know, he's going to make a few levels now. <laughs> I wonder if you can sort of surgically remove the uh, key cards from their wall sockets and then just pump them across the level to a single location <laughs> yeah, and then yeah. pick them all up. I would bet that as soon as they become sort of detached from the location, yeah, yeah. That that's what starts the countdown. Like you probably do it, but it, you, you've started it now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that looked really good uh also microsoft flight simulator also looks really good yeah that's surprising well I, I, it's being made by a sobo um who are a, a storied i think they're a french outfit yeah that's right a storied yeah. open world procedurally generated open world outfit they've made well it about that because they, mm. they only they only came out with a game about four months ago because they made a plague tale as well oh did they oh, really yeah. what and that is like a like it's very tech I had no idea that was them I don't I, yeah but it's a linear linear story games oh wow okay they've really diversified I mean I can't remember what they did before Fuel I think they were they did a number of different projects yeah, before then as well I remember this I did write about them years ago but then they, they made uh, Fuel which is a, a racing game I think Ubisoft published it was it? Was somebody? Yeah, mm. yeah, oh, I, I think so. I think you're right. Maybe it's Codemaster. Oh, I can't remember. Anyway, but uh, it was mm. a open world uh, racing game. It was kind of a, a, a duff racing game by the standards of anybody who likes racing games. I don't like racing games, <laughs> and I really love Fuel because you could just it was set in, across the entirety of America, a condensed version, but procedurally generated, and uh, civilization has fallen basically, and it's just these kind of rolling, beautiful natural landscapes that take in all the kind of picture perfect views of America. It's like the it was only procedure generated in the sense that sort of like it, the the land was permanent wasn't it like it's a it's a set map that you're on isn't it yeah it's generated from a seed yes yeah, that's right. yeah. yeah but it was it was really a, a stunningly beautiful game and kind of hyper realistic really lots of uh, amazing sort of nightscapes where the, 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 for some reason the sky is lit in this kind of you know virulent color and a beautiful gradient and then you know the, the landscape picked out in silhouette but um obviously they've applied some of that learning to making the entirety of the world <laughs> yep. in uh, Microsoft Flight Simulator, which so is based on using? Bing Maps. Bing Maps. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That sounds so stupid to say that, but uh, <laughs> apparently, apparently, they, you know, Microsoft can. So pay, Bing's pay got, satellites. got 3D was, um, information, is it? Like in the way that Google they, Maps has. They have a, an AI layer to generate that. Mm. I'll have you know that uses machine learning. Like the, the fucking the sort of technical execs at Microsoft 
must have been fucking frothing at the mouth at the idea of announcing this because it's just all their key buzzwords. Like, <laughs> does, does something <laughs> Azure things? as well. Right? Azure, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Just, uh, Bing and Azure, two services they're constantly trying to pimp, but um, frequently not that useful in themselves. <laughs> uh, and it uses machine learning and AI and all this stuff to basically to read satellite data and sort of guess what the what. Uh, where which things are buildings and what kind of models to use those and mm-hmm. stuff and that's the way i understand it is that that's all kind of already happened on their server like that's a process that's been done already it's not happening live as you play the game but then what is happening live as you play the game is uh it's streaming that data in from mm-hmm. from their azure server i think it's also cloud, like f- let's say. filling the gaps as well right with you know appropriate grains of sand right. etc <laughs> <You know? laughs> what if what if you go what if there's a place in the world where the machine learning is gone megalomaniacal <laughs> well um, actually and it's sort of like a yawning hell mouth <laughs> <laughs> i would bet like they, the place they places they showed flying over was um america and people were able to uh like one guy the guy whose video i watched um he is a, a pilot and uh, so he was able to speak to the accuracy and stuff of, of a lot of the stuff but also he uh chose as a starting point an airfield that's near his house and then um once he took off, followed the roads that he would take to drive to that airfield and found his house. And his house actually had an individual model that he could recognize as his own. And there's oh, wow. me, but that's not my wife. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but I bet. What am I doing? <laughs> Why is there a dead dog in my arms? <laughs> um. But I bet there are other areas of the world that are not as accurate. I don't know this, but it, it's it's a. Classic. It's going to be really, really, yeah. really good for the Seattle area it's and exactly, fuck the rest yeah. of the world. This is, this is what happens with things like Google Maps, and you know, if you want to see your city in 3D and you live in SF or Seattle, you can absolutely do that. You know, live in Bath, I don't think you can. So I don't know what it's like in like copy, the stringent copyright laws on uh, replicating buildings in, and cityscapes in in Europe. So I, don't really? know how I wonder they get if the AI that. gets around that. If like, well, we didn't replicate it. Some yeah. fucking AI made it up. We made it up. <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah, I like the idea of uh, you know procedurally generated existential tragedies. Though. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> <a good idea. laughs> I think it's a, 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 a Asobo. They, um, I can see them working that in because there is yeah. often something quite disturbing about what they make. You it's like fly fuel. over your house and there's just a hearse and they're, they're loading your body into it. <laughs> well, yeah, because well, fuel has like an undercurrent of quite glowering weirdness <laughs> uh, yeah it's a weird it's dystopia it's an it's an environmental um catastrophe yeah. that has consumed the world i mean it's quite ahead of its time everybody you know knows that this is what's going to happen now but back when uh, uh fuel was released people weren't really thinking about climate <laughs> still change hope left back yeah, then. yeah i know <laughs> we've burnt through that though so that's good. <laughs> and plague tale takes a great delight in plague pits and kind of mounds of bodies and uh, rats and stuff i'm gonna guess that microsoft said to them look none of your fuel shit none of your plague tale shit <laughs> i don't want to see any weird it's azure and bing and all you get that's as dystopian as you get you I mean, yeah, france having... is just rats now <laughs> having machine learning make up what the world is is kind of dystopian in its own way <laughs> um there is another bit of news what's that uh that destiny done come out on um on the steam oh yeah and along with um the new update mm-hmm. my steam activity feed is a bunch of like 10 people all saying um has played destiny for the first time and then a couple of people with like 13 achievements all of which seem to be the same achievements yeah. <laughs> they all got all at once which i guess might be like a character import thing maybe you yeah you've um yeah because you can um, import your um your your account on that you've played already on console or, or back on it so it just imports all the um achievements you got on them but um i i started it last night but i didn't start it because the servers kind of you know blew up of course but um 
I did get into a game for very briefly um, before it kind of booted me out. The um, uh, I was I felt really quite nervous about starting it because um, I got I got back into it kind of quite obsessively. A, I don't know Christmas time. I think I was talking about it on the pod at the time. Have you ever played on PC before? No, right. no, and. Um, and so, I, yeah, I, I think it might, I think I was experiencing what like a sort of a sort of, it's like a sense of kind of, here we go then. <laughs> this, is, this is it then. This Sorry. Is what, what actually happened? Did it come to Steam for the first time? Or is it yeah. Just- so this is, so this is the first time it's been on Steam. So it's no, so it was already out on PC. Net. Yeah. It was on Blizzard. Yeah. yeah. Um, yes. This is post their, their weird breakup with, um, yeah. Post going, going independent. Yeah. yeah. And so actually it's, I think for anyone who's been playing on Battle.net, there's not much, there's not going to be anything different because it's still playing on your PC and, but, it, but there's a new expansion with it. Um, and, but that's, which, but, but Steam being bigger and, and that sort of thing, it means, and now it's free to play as well. Like there are oh, sure. a lo- enormous part of the game is now free. You won't play any of the new stuff. And I think that you'll probably be constantly reminded that you don't <laughs> own kind of the new stuff, but right. you have infinite hours of game i did say you see somebody say that um they level you up so fast through the free stuff that um uh it's uh, to the detriment of it oh really possibly. that's interesting i, yeah, I, I don't know seen... i can't speak to the truth of that but yeah i mean you, it's a funny one because you don't leveling is kind of weird in it in the sense that you don't you kind of just the shooting always feels nice you know mm. so and all you really are aware of is that you can't damage some you know if, if uh, creatures if they're too if they're too enemies if they're too over leveled um so you, that might feel good but then it, you might feel like it's just pushing you through it like quick 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 <laughs> play the new stuff mm. but it's um oh god it's too nice to go back to especially when it's playing at fucking 60 hertz and things <laughs> and and when you go to the menu it's got this lovely menu system where like you see a 3d your 3D self and all of your items have got like a like a picture of them and then you can hover over them and you can see everything else in the inventory for that slot and you're constantly looking around things and then you you press triangle on it and then you can go in and you can see a lovely 3D model of the, that particular gun and it's beautiful and mm-hmm. flavor text and but you go into the menu a fucking lot you have to partly because you're getting new stuff and you've got to check it out but also because um it has this really idiosyncratic sort of um mission and uh quest system where it's half kind of in the world and you're picking up stuff but in part very very abstract kind of rpg kind of like you know now you've got something in your menu that you've got to go and look up to see what you've got to do and there are loads of just so many ways of having quests so sometimes um you've gone into a menu and somebody you know an item pop you know you pick up an item and now this item has turned into a quest item which then tells you the next steps you've got to do sometimes you've talked to a character and now they've you have a quest and this is all in a part of the menu system that i forgot where it is and it took me ages to find it and you're constantly now how many have i got to kill of those things and and how far have i put it and how many steps have i got to go along here and where do i have to go for that thing and on a ps4 it is excruciating because there's about i would say a five second wait to wait for your menu to fully pop in oh god and then when you navigate to another kind of page of menu where that keeps all the quests, then also the quests are now on a, on a, in a, a menu where you have to hold down a button for a few mm-hmm. seconds because where the map is. And then you've got to scooch it- over to another thing. And 
oh god couldn't it be loading while it's doing that hold down thing like we think the user wants to go into the menu let's start loading it now so that when when but the thing is it's also opulent all the menus are so opulent it's got to load the first menu (laughs) and then it's got to load the next menu yeah (laughs) but you like this game right Oh, it's more, it's the best. Right, it's okay. The best. Just on PC, it sounds awful. <laughs> but on PC, bam, like those menus come oh, up right. immediately. And like, oh my God, I can check things immediately. I mean, it's still a pain in the ass. But, <laughs> but who cares? Because it's, it's destiny and I'm back on the moon. And, oh, the moon. I felt quite nostalgic. So <laughs> well, the moon, there. So the, it's where the wizards are. Um, the moon is one of the settings of the original destiny, which now I realize was like, bloody ages ago like 2013 i think it came out was oh, wow. something like that so it's kind of quite a long time ago and that and it brought me back to the first beta and me and tim edwards so that so they, they, they just opened this big sort of uh i can't remember they're called now there's like the big open area that you can kind of just wander around and and sort of shoot hub? stuff in yeah it's kind of like a hub it's like you know it's this open exploration area um, the nexus the, ne- the nexus <laughs> And and they're really sprawling, and they were for, for the time they were. It was a really big area, and like you know, not a lot of um, shooters were doing that kind of that kind of contained. What, yet what does it feel like uh, now with hindsight? Is it like a room? Well, no, no, not at all. No, it's it's, it's awesome still. But oh. this is, but back then it was amazing. And me and Tim Edwards were wandering around and exploring, and we accidentally went into the Hellmouth. <laughs> that happens and like and we got stuck in the hell mouth because it must have been some sort of bug because a door was open and we went in the door uh-huh. and then we never found our way back out again and we were kind of like giggling to each other like just sort of like it was just brilliant because you just felt like forbidden and also these chanter like chambers and tunnels just go on for hours now it felt so mysterious and weird just to check there is literally a place called the Hellmouth. yes okay. it's literally the Hellmouth. <laughs> it's the Hellmouth on the moon where the wizard came from <laughs> um and uh and i got to go back there and i wandered into it and you know it's it's one of those you know the ways that games go back to places after time and they change a few things and it feels sort of oh you kind of remember that was not like that before and now it's like this and and it's like oh and they're still here but then everything's a little bit changed it's it's it's, it's a nice feeling of nostalgia to go back to the moon where this reminded me of um i haven't been back to wow uh, with the classic thing but um way back when uh exploring zones that we shouldn't really be in in well just that yeah. thing of stumbling into like oh shit this is a level 55 area and we are level 12 <laughs> i remember figuring out um i think me and craig pearson did that for a while in like maybe like the night elf zone when we were horde and uh, so we were like what, out of our depth in the level level sense and also in uh it wasn't our area um and then i can't remember where this was it was somewhere else i think um i got killed exploring a high level area and then you you respawn as a ghost and you've got to go and find your body and, and stuff. Um, and I was, you can run around as a ghost and still explore basically anywhere. There's no restriction on where you can go, but everything's tinted blue. And I found a way to like go into the graphics options and sort of pretend I had a worse graphics card than I had so that it would disable the death effects. <laughs> <laughs> and then to basically go back to like a full color version of World of Warcraft. And then I can just run around as a ghost and no one can touch me and I can explore the whole place. <laughs> but something weird happens when you do that in that like it doesn't, I feel like not everything spawns in. Like, I don't think I'm seeing all of the other players who would normally be there. The oh, world was really yeah. strangely empty and nothing was really happening in it, which is strange. Oh, it's good. That's, yeah, it's a good. Like, it does feel good to to feel forbidden in, in yeah, online games. Yeah, it's a good MMO feeling. Yeah. And I, yeah, we, we, we didn't. And the best thing was about the Hellmouth kind of thing was we weren't sure whether it was a problem or not. Like, you know, we <laughs> were the problem we, that we're in the Hellmouth. Yeah, we can't get out of the Hellmouth. <laughs> <laughs> didn't want to switch it off as well. But yeah, like, um, it's just, 
it's it's and i was really surprised by how i mean i have played a lot of hours on the moon you know <laughs> in the subsequent years after destiny one came out but i was still surprised how well i knew it and where you know each of its features were quite emblazoned i mean because partly because you know it's from a company that is really good at making video game spaces so you know they are very distinctive areas you know just the 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 shapes of buildings and kind of the configurations of sh- forms and shapes and pathways is really emblazoned and it's yeah it's real good and also <laughs> now they're they're a lot more confident in their storytelling which is oh dear is that <laughs> i think i take delight in it i think martin you would hate it uh-huh <laughs> martin finds it easy to believe <laughs> Because it comes across as them taking quite seriously, but I don't think they they take it as seriously as it sort of comes across. Mm-hmm. Um, you so not uh, as seriously as Chris and Rich McCormick take it. I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, there's this character called Erin Morn. Uh, she is a human, and she has a blindfold on. And under the blindfold, uh, there are three green lights. A bit like Sam Fisher. Kind of <laughs> Sam weird. Fisher's newest disguise. <laughs> uh, and, uh, but, but then kind of black goo constantly dribbles down her <laughs> and from beneath the bandage, you know, yeah. the, the blindfold and crud down her cheeks. And she is a very, um, gnomic, uh, emo. An <laughs> <laughs> <Not> emo gnomic. <laughs> she, um, cause she was trapped in the hellmouth like me and Tim Edwards were. <laughs> she went a bit, went a bit doolally. <laughs> and um and uh, at some point in the past thing in the story we saved her and she's gone back to the hellmouth and which oh, means what did we going, just say come on <laughs> so she's getting do you want to be... get three weird bleeding eyes because that's how you get three weird bleeding eyes <laughs> <laughs> so she's getting to be very uh eris morn about things which is actually <laughs> i found quite fun marsh you're not gonna like it okay <laughs> Uh, and then there's other story stuff where, yeah, they, they, they are quite succinct, but there's a sort of like, there's a sort of like a swagger to it. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but I'm only a day in now, so we will see. I heard that there's a t-shirt that you can only buy if you do like all of the quests in a certain season. Oh, yeah. Have you yeah, heard about this? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Cause, uh, Cardo on the Waypoint podcast is, he's got it every season until the latest one and oh, nice. he missed out on some of the quests for it. And so he's, and it, like they were talking about as if it's a t-shirt you get as a reward for doing a stuff. And then it came out in the discussion that you have to buy it still. You should yeah. pay like yeah. 30 bucks for it or something. Yeah, it just gives you the right <laughs> the, to buy. You earn the honor of buying some merchandise. <laughs> I don't, I don't even know how one finds the time for all that. I don't think I'm in a very efficient place. I'm kind of too I don't really play with other people very much and and I just sort of noodle around and not really work the efficiencies of how you might do grind things as kind of efficiently as you can but like I've seen these the lists that you need to do for those kinds of things and they are oh goodness there's a lot to do <laughs> a lot to do and that's kind of and that's just one area of the game as well if you want some of the weapons there are great big grinding quests to do that as well but it's all good <laughs> sounds exhausting it sounds exhausting primarily because i know i'd love to look at all of those meticulously made 3d models <laughs> and slowly rotate them in a minute yeah they're lovely yeah it's a terrible terrible thing that they've done no but it's yeah well i think it's just you know it, it just comes i mean you i play because it feels good you know mm. it feels lovely it's just this constant but it's supported by these rewards and yes they're empty rewards really but 
but like fuck it yeah. i'm enjoying it and i'm relaxed when i'm playing it so i'm looking forward to yeah i'll get back in i'll, I'll play it a bit with you i'd yeah, like to play a bungee shooter again in fact they, they said they're going to make another game oh that's right that's, that's the other bit of news they said they're going to release another game was it by 2025 yeah right yeah that is news isn't it they're going to make another game it's like vague news and that's like six years away in six years time we might make a non-destiny game <laughs> yeah I, I just i don't know i think uh, destiny sounds so appealing to me in in certain respects and i'm absolutely abhorrent in others and i know i know i'd i'd get into it in certain ways but those are the you know that's me giving into weakness in certain respects you know i think i hope i hope that they make games which aren't you know on that destiny model again Mm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> on that extremely lucrative model <laughs> they've had yeah it's, it's funny to watch as an outsider because it's there have been times where it just seemed like such a fucking disaster like destiny one launched to like 60 percent reviews and uh it slowly clawed its way into people's you know lives and people became obsessed with it and they fixed a load of stuff and they made it better and better and then but it had some deep-seated problems then destiny 2 came out fixed all those problems and people fucking hated it like oh how have you done this oh you ruined it you fucked it up it was good now you fucked it up and that's slowly clawed and in the background of all of this i guess it's just been making an insane amount of money because i think i heard it's like one of the most successful shooter franchises ever now yeah yeah i mean it's i mean we've 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 talked about it before i think and like the reasons why it has failed are so fascinating (laughs) you know in the ways that the ways that it it had problems you know where things that were identified as problems about yeah as you said about destiny one they tried to fix it for destiny two and then it turned out people don't want that like (laughs) there was a reason it was broken that way (laughs) yeah it's as if you shouldn't really like listen to what people want because it's not what they want it sounds like prime fail forward candidate marsh oh yeah (laughs) (laughs) you only have to play about 150 hours before you're What else has been been played? Actually, yeah, played? Uh, sorry for breaking linear time, but I want to jump quickly back to Flight Simulator because uh, we talked about the tech stuff, but I wanted to say it looks fucking amazing. <laughs> That's oh, yeah. the, the real news for me is like, I haven't really been interested in this series before. Uh, my dad was really into it and I never really saw the appeal of just like flying around the world. When the world is like a flat texture that's just kind of painted on from, even when it was satellite imagery and it sort of looked a bit like the world from mm. a certain distance. This now has crossed some threshold where it just looks so nice. Yeah. <laughs> like I won't say it's not like it'd be stupid to say like photorealistic because it isn't. You can tell it's not real, but it's crossed some Frank threshold now where I could just look at this and enjoy looking at this. Yeah, it's <laughs> with nothing the, else going on. The, the problem I, I think it's going to have is that um, it's going to attract a whole new audience, which is not really a bad problem in some <laughs> ways. But the appeal of previous flight simulator games was that you wanted to fly a plane. Yeah. And I don't want to fly a plane, <laughs> but I do want to look at things from above, <laughs> you know. And uh, if this is a looking at things from above game, then that's great. But if you have to learn how to take off, I'm, I'm completely boned. I think I'm so never going to take off. I heard this one has, I don't know the, the specifics, but um, apparently there is for like takeoff procedures, the sort of checklist that you have to do before you, you um, take off in a plane. There's uh, a fully manual mode where you just have to know how to do that uh, there's a guided mode where it will point out each thing you need to do in order sort of on your um 
uh, on the cockpit press controls. Press C, press F, and then press there's a fully, X. <laughs> and there's a fully automatic mode where it just does it all for you. So I'm, I'm hoping, oh, I don't, I mean, that was only talking about this one procedure. I'm hoping that sort of philosophy goes throughout it, that there's some kind of new mode I can just enable where I don't need to know anything about playing. Well, I haven't, just, played, I haven't played Microsoft Flight Sim since about 1990-something, but <laughs> yeah. it always did have a kind of, you know, have a fun fun mode. Did it? Wings you would fall <laughs> off. I remember wings falling off, I think. <laughs> But like you can switch That's, down, you can switch to, to off yeah. the reality, you know, the realism settings. That's the thing. The video I watched was by, like I say, by a, a, someone who flies in real life and who was obsessive and, and meticulous about all these uh, like air physics and how clouds are modelled and how many layers of cloud there There's are. There's actual humidity stuff. being simulated and, in the game, right? <laughs> and every like s- surface on the plane being individual model and all this stuff. But he never once mentioned like. What's it like when you crash? I want to see, like, when you crash, yeah, is it more part of Because that's what, like, normal people do when they play <laughs> If you crash into your own crash. house, you die. <laughs> Real life. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, oh, yeah, and another thing that really made me laugh is, like, I don't know what plane this guy is flying, so I don't know enough what planes to tell from the inside. But look, it has this obviously like perfectly modeled cockpit and everything. It's exactly like a real plane. And on that cockpit, like on a smaller plane, like a... Um, uh, no, I won't, I won't say a type of plane because I might be wrong. <laughs> um, on a small Spitfire. plane, you'll have like a, <laughs> uh, a dial. It's almost like a speedometer thing, but it's, it's just showing the horizon and it's just like a, literally like a physical picture with a line across it. And the, the picture rotates as, according to some, um, uh, I guess like physics inside it. And then on a more advanced plane, you have a, a digital screen that has a, a sort of a, basically a, very crude flight simulator showing you how, how your plane is basically showing a very simplified version of the world around you so that even if there's fog or something you can see where the ground is you can see what you would be seeing uh but those in a real plane are running some very basic flight simulator and it looks just like flight simulator one <laughs> <laughs> so it's hilariously playing like the latest flight simulator and just basically have flight simulator one running is now so good that we can't really see what's going on, on the ground so we need flight simulator one to tell us what it really looks like <laughs> What have you been playing, Tom? Um, I have played a bit of What the Golf, which mm. um, uh, I mentioned last week. It launched on Apple Arcade. Um, and at the time, it was only on Apple Arcade. Now it's also on PC, uh, on the Epic Store, I think. Um, and it's a golf game uh, for people who hate golf, which means it doesn't actually feature any particularly golf-like modes. Um, it's a brilliant... It's been at every show I've been to for years, and it's... Uh, it shows brilliantly because it's just, it looks like a golf game. And then the first thing you do, I think the first, maybe the very first course kind of is just golf, but then, uh, and you, you know, just whack the ball towards the hole. And then when you complete that, the next course, you try and whack the ball towards the hole and your, your whole human just flies towards the hole in ragdoll physics. And then you realize that's what you're controlling this time. You're just like nudging your, your corpse around basically to get that in the hole. Uh, and then, like in a couple of levels time you do it and that like the charge meter for your shot <laughs> that's what flies forward when you release <laughs> and then like there'll be a level where you just have 600 golf balls and there's levels where it's side on and you have a grappling hook <laughs> and there's levels where it has the portals from portal um there's a whole chapter of super hot levels where time only moves when, you, when your ball does oh, wow. um there's that's amazing the football levels are really good where you are a football the uh instead of a hole there's a goal but there are players on the pitch that are just trying to stop you getting to the goal. And you can, you still have the same charge meter as you do with a golf ball, but you can use it any time. So you can just, you know, constantly click it to adjust your course and to try and get away from these footballers who are trying to kick you off the course. <laughs> and that's amazing. Like being the ball in a game where all the footballers are enemies is a fascinating yeah, uh, game format. I think the, um, have you been playing the, um, the extra, you know, each level has three 
all, you know, two alternatives, doesn't it? Yeah, bizarrely, yeah. it has. So a, it has like a meta game, four, three <laughs> times as many levels as you think it has. Yeah, and it, like so, between levels now, you go back to like a lab, and the lab is, is has different regions, and each region has a theme, and all the the within the lab there's just holes and you go into a hole and that takes a different course that has a different mechanic um but there's you know there will be a there's a whole football region of the lab and then there's a whole cars and exploding barrels region of the lab <laughs> like that's a unified theme just cars and exploding barrels all these levels will be about cars and or exploding barrels in some of them you are a car and some of them you are an exploding barrel <laughs> um and then something i'm, I'm not 100 sold on is you you need to finish all those levels to unlock the next region like you had to complete every course within that and I've had a couple where I just this is just, one's just annoying. I'm just dying oh, yeah. all the time, um, and uh, getting reset. And I just kind of want to skip it and move on. And it doesn't feel like this game is really meant to be about challenge. And I don't want to be stuck on a level. Uh, but yeah, as you say, there's then, um, yeah, there's three like tiers of it. Like, the signaling of this, what these are is weird. There's like a crown symbol. There's a the word par is used, and then <laughs> I don't know. Like, oh, they could, they seem to change completely. Like they're just they're just sort of different, two different riffs on it. But you kind of right. I was expecting them to be in kind of like oh here's a harder version, here's a harder version. But then they're just like two different riffs on the same on the idea that you was established in the first. Yeah, like there was I think there was one where there's like a series of Mario themed levels where you sort of, you're basically controlling a platformer character, but with the same charge bar that you would to launch a golf ball. So you're just controlling their jumps. Um, and then one of those, the, the sort of advanced version was that now there's a football falling from the sky uh, and a goal. And I've got to jump my character so that I, I basically head the ball into the goal before it falls <laughs> off the map. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, it's amazingly consistently surprising as well. You know, kind of every level you what is the thing? Yeah. <laughs> and that's, thing? that's the best bit of it is like, before you take your first shot, you see the setup, yeah. it's giving you loads of clues. There's a, the, if you really sat down and thought about it, you might be able to guess what it's going to do. But yeah. the fun of it is just like, yeah, you draw down, back the power thing. Yeah. See what's what going to go fly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's good. Hmm. I played, um, I played the, uh, um, uh, the, the history of cricket, cricket through the ages, well. cricket through the ages, which is by free lives, free lives, yeah, which is, which <laughs> oh, is yeah. funny. Like it's the people behind bro force, right? Yeah. 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 Oh. yeah. And it's very, it's very, um, it's sh- short and sweet, but it's really fun. What is, I, I don't, I don't know that, uh, this is, it's kind of like a, co- like quoppy in the sense that you are oh, controlling yeah. hu- humans in general with kind of single touch controls with, uh, the, and you've got up against another person. I played with my son and basically you've got a voiceover saying about the history of cricket. And like it starts with man dinosaurs. Was, yeah, man was being savaged by dinosaurs and, until cricket was invented. <laughs> you just spin <laughs> so up your arm and throw a rock at the dinosaur. And yeah, so you're <laughs> basically to the bowler has an arm, like you hold down the button and then the, the, the arm spins around and you've got to let go at the point where the balls, if you hit the, the other person, uh, you win. The other person it might is probably going to be a dinosaur, <laughs> and your uh, it's got this sort of sprung legs. So when you they kind of get tensed when you press the button, when you release, they kind of spring, and you're kind of walking, kind of bouncing towards it, and it, you, you'll gore them if you don't. They don't throw the the ball at you, and it's basically that through history <laughs> and, it's, and it's, it is very funny including like a world war ii chapter um, at some point i don't know if this is where this features in the single player campaign but there's a uh, a version of that where you're the queen trying to knight people by spinning a sword <laughs> and you inevitably end up cutting their head off um and then i think there's like a free form multiplayer mode where you can kind of mix and match that so yeah there's loads of kind of there's another big old chunk that gets unlocked doesn't it 
But yeah, it, like it turns out that Apple Arcade is is like a hotbed of fucking fun. Yeah, it's it's a really good fit for that shit. because I think if you if you bought it, yeah, almost even like five bucks, you you still might have thought you were going to get something that you weren't going to get because it's it's weird. <laughs> it's like um, in a lot of ways, I watched it being played at Fantastic Arcade and just like ten minutes start to finish, and it, would, it just had the room in hysterics the whole time, and every. Um, and it was being played live, so and it's a physics game, so things unfold differently. It's not as like it was all canned and um, pre-made jokes or anything. It was just the physics are inherently funny, and then the theming is just really well paced and, and uh, delivered. Um, and at the end of it, wasn't necessarily left with a huge desire to sort of go and play the, the yeah. form mode or, or yeah. get competitive with my friends about it or anything. It was just like, okay, I've had I've had the experience now. It was amazing, but <laughs> it's a unusual like thing. Uh, a second golden age, well, probably the first golden age, really, of, of comedy games. In as much as yeah. people, you know, prior to me, like two or three years ago, prior to jazz punk, maybe, <laughs> like uh, everybody's go-to comedy game was still Monkey Island. Yeah. I mean, oh. you know, uh-huh. I, yeah. Um, <laughs> I guess Portal as well was a yeah. big milestone one. And yeah, it, but that, actually, that hasn't been imitated. Or that was still mostly reliant on a, on a witty script, where yeah. it now feels like I mean, there were jokes about the mechanics in it, but it was reliant on a narrator to to, to juxtapose those mechanics with some aspect of the script. Yeah. Yeah. Um, whereas now it feels like a lot of the comedy is actually coming from the actual physical interactions in the world. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, like, I think. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I feel like that's been in the past. Maybe there's been a sort of we've had the two polar opposite ends of the spectrum. So there's the portal way where it, the script has to be funny for it to be funny at all. And there's the goat simulator way where it was all right. physics-y and it's just, lol, look how bad this is. Yeah. Um, and surgeon simulator, I think was similar. And then like something like goose game feels like it's somewhere in between where it's, right. it's the physics interactions are still chaotic, but they're all actually legitimate within that world. Yeah. And a lot of the yeah. humor is, is crafted in some way. Yeah. And it's like, they created this funny situation for you. Well, yeah, like it, the goose game is very sort of, um, uh, 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 what's it sim you know like thief um emergent sim immersive sim. immersive sim sorry yeah <laughs> immersive sim but like immersive sims were always funny once you kind of peeled away the kind of like the thematic stuff and you were playing levels freely like and, yeah you know like the way that you played deus ex basically tom like, <laughs> <laughs> like and so yeah because seems to be riffing on that kind of affordance <laughs> but then like the the goat simulator thing where, oh, lol, isn't it terrible sort of thing. I'm glad that's kind of been replaced by these physics games that, that aren't terrible. Like then it's not terrible physics. Yeah. No, it's, it's accounting, just funny it's accounting physics. for the physics within a yeah, game in a slapstick yeah. way rather than just allowing the, the physics to break yeah. in a slapstick way. Yeah. Do you see that? I don't even know if this is Bennett Foddy's getting over it or sorry, getting over it with Bennett Foddy. Is that a comedy game? <laughs> well, in that it's, it's, a, it's yeah. a big joke on the player. Yeah. <laughs> But it is, I mean, it, it is, it is funny. It is funny, I mm. think. Cause obviously like Quop is, is a comedy game yeah. and to some extent GURP as well. Um, and anyway, I thought of that cause uh, there was a, uh, it's got a new world record speed run now, 75 seconds. <laughs> and you hear that and think, wow, how is that possible? And you're watching and think, of course that's possible. <laughs> like it's not a long game. It's just very, very difficult. And so it gets sufficiently good at it. You just do it all right first time. And that takes about 75 seconds. <laughs> it's sort of completely unsurprising when you watch it. <laughs> Just going back to um, Apple Arcade stuff, um, I, we've got an Apple TV, and sort of a lot, a lot of the games are available on that. And with the same update that brought um, Apple Arcade, they gave, uh, they opened up um, compatibility with DualShock and micro, uh, oh, yeah. um, uh, Xbox controllers. And Steam Link is also an app on the Apple TV, and so huh. basically, it's like overnight, it turned into. 
oh. a fucking viable gaming machine. Like, so you can play any Steam I can, game? Yeah, any Steam game over... With the over, Xbox controller yeah. on your Apple TV? <laughs> yeah, through yeah through the network. When wow. We, yeah, like, and it's properly fucking works. Is it's there, amazing. Is there lag or um, A little bit. I mean, nothing... So we, we it, what there was, like, we, we did... We had, um, we had a crappy um, uh, Wi-Fi until recently, and I... Did do some? I've got I've got a Steam bo- thingy. What's it called? The the Steam boxy thing. Isn't that um, the Steam Link? Steam Link, yeah. And I had that wired in through our home plugs. We we live in an old Victorian house, and I don't know how the electricity works in it. And the, uh, the home plugs the definitely are not sure about how electricity <laughs> works in it. So they'll be totally timed, totally fine, totally fine, and everything freezes. It's besides, huh. there is no electricity anymore. <laughs> so. um so, uh, but then we got a proper sort of 5G, um, uh, Wi-Fi and oh, yeah. that there was a small amount of lag. The thing is I played Stadia, um, a couple of weeks beforehand and it feels better than Stadia. <laughs> and I played Doom on Stadia and that was all right. And, and then, yeah, it, like, I guess it feels good. That makes sense, right? Cause Stadia is like, it's actually running on their servers. Yeah. That's just a game streaming thing from their servers. Yeah. So it's definitely faster than that. Um, the only, the, the one, like, sort of, uh, sort of first world problem with it is that you've got to, my, my PC's upstairs and I've got to remember to switch it on in order to play. Right. That's like. Once it's, it's on though, you can like, you control it from downstairs? Yeah. Well, yeah, like it, it just goes to the, um, the, what's it called? The desktop, you know, you know, the, that's that secondary interface that it does. <laughs> Do you know the one? It kind of has a bubbly, Steam bubbly home, effects. Oh, big yeah. picture mode? Big picture mode. Yeah. Um, last time I tried Steam Link, um, I had one of those boxes, I think. Did I? Hmm. I was trying to play, uh, something in a different room in my house, almost an adjoining room. The only thing between the two rooms is just like a staircase. And I was trying to play Broken Age, a point and click, and the lag was bad enough that I couldn't even do that. It was like, no, I just don't want to do this. <laughs> I'll just go to a different room. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you, yeah, it's like, I think it's about 30, like it'll tell you what the lag is. And like the picture is something like 70 milliseconds. Like, and that's kind of from it being generated on the PC and then it appearing on the TV pretty much, you know, and the controller lag is around 30 milliseconds. So it does feel fairly snappy. And in fact, if on a console running at 30 frames a second, you're not, much different to that in controller lag actually i think my my body's lag is well in excess of 30 30 milliseconds now so i probably wouldn't even notice it it's like a good minute before i react stadia's stadia's getting around like they they reckon that that they can make stadia feel like it's better than a console and it's basically because it'll be mostly because it'll be just predicting what you're going to press Look, and I bet that. that it, I bet that it, like, well, of course you're going to press. Is it going to predict how bad I am, though? That's the <laughs> oh, it knows. It knows. There was, I do remember reading something really, uh, I thought was really clever about, um, I think it was Quake. It was a Carmack thing, um, where uh, there is, you know, in all games, there's input lag, and uh, this bothered him. And so uh, when you fire a rocket launcher in that game, oh, yeah. um, it just, uh, it, you know, if, if there's 30 milliseconds of lag in the input, then it should have fired 30 milliseconds ago. And so rather than spawning a rocket at the <laughs> muzzle of the rocket launcher, it figures out where it would have been if you'd fired it 30 milliseconds ago and spawns it there instead. So it's already where it should be. So it travels as if you fired it at the exact moment you play, press the button. <laughs> yeah. And that isn't prediction. 
because until you press the button nothing happens yeah, yeah. obviously uh but once it's out there i mean that, that just distance... a retrospective prediction yeah <laughs> correction like, yeah correction is sort of after the fact and actually i mean this so um uh dealing with lag is obviously like the one of the primary concerns for games like overwatch and uh things that forget controllers and displays and stuff just networking it, like figuring out how to handle that is a huge uh problem that smart people uh in the industry are working on all the time and trying to get better in overwatch i remember i can't remember if it was a gdc talk or something but i remember listening to how they handle uh networking lag it might even have been like a public sort mm. of one of jeff kaplan's like um Fire sort of community thing just talking about uh they have a philosophy of favor the fire i think it is where like whoever is doing the shooting there are some lag problems where it's just unresolvable there is no fair way to do it one person because of uh, latency they know they already dodged and the other person knows the person didn't dodge until the rocket hit them and there is no way to resolve that that will make sense for both players and in those situations if they really can't figure it out and there's no other way around it then they favor the firer so whoever thinks they hit the target did hit the target so yeah deal with the most frustrating most frustrated party yeah so that's actually something in in stadia's um favor or at least the streaming favor because if it's all running in streaming server farms uh network you know like multiplayer games suddenly all these games are being played right next to each other like on the same servers hmm. so you don't have so so on, on one hand if they're all actually being played in the same server which you're not going to get actually in reality because you'll always be playing on a server which is near as close to home as possible right um and so if you're playing with someone in america you're still going to have so but but if you are playing locally then you know, you don't have, you don't have the lag anymore between, between, um, between clients because they're all hmm. next to each other and wired directly to each other. That so seems then, like though you end up in a situation where like all the computers who live together in San Francisco all agree with each other about what happened, but the players yeah. are still, what the fuck? That wasn't what I thought. <laughs> but then also because, because they're all Google owned and they have kind of amazing infrastructure themselves. Like the biggest problem with online gaming is that you don't know, you can't predict what the lag is going to be. If you know that, that it's always going to be 30 milliseconds or 100 milliseconds, then you can work around that. Like you can code for it. You can do a Carmack and say, well, we know that the, the fire, the rocket fired 30 yeah. milliseconds ago. So therefore that's, that's how far it, it's traveled. Um, if you, and you get much closer to actually predictable, um, latency if with, a, with a system like Stadia or any other streaming one, you can imagine that's, Google having the infrastructure it has is probably in the best position for that kind mm. of thing. Or Azure, maybe. Mm. <laughs> but like, yeah, I, there are many things that I am not, definitely not very keen on with, 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 um, with Stadia. Like, but the technology is actually like promising, like fucking promising and fixes a load of shitty stuff about games that we're just used to or programmers have to spend shit loads of time kind of dealing for and accounting for. Like, like latency and stuff. But only if you're making like a Stadia exclusive, right? Because you still have to solve yeah. those problems for everyone else. If yeah, you're not. that's true. Yeah. I think, I mean, to me, it sounds like it's doomed just for the, the pricing model. It's just, crazy. It's just what it? it's, it's just a very difficult proposition to anybody. You have to pay a subscription fee, then you also have to buy the games. Just, mm, mm. don't think people are going to go for it. Yeah. Yeah. Like that. And then you don't really own the game still and. Yeah, I mean, I, I think their argument there is actually sort of, well, yeah, fair enough. They, I mean, if, if you own a digital game on Steam, or whatever, you're just as beholden as you are to a Stadia game because 
Well, know. Steam, you can put into offline mode. And yeah, if you're but, a doomsday prepper and you do that, <laughs> you are <laughs> safe. Like, they can't take it away from you after that. Yeah. How long does that last for, though? Is that in perpetuity? Yeah, I think so. Um, and also not every Steam game does, like, it's up to the developer whether they want DRM on their game right. on Steam. Like, right. um, I, uh, I don't think any of my games have it. I think if you just run the executable from the folder, uh, it will, it'll launch Steam if it can, but I think it, uh, it can still work offline. Anyway, that's the thing you can do. Yeah. Okay. Do. Have you played anything else? Well, yeah, I was going to say I played, um, Noita. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Or is it Noita or Noita? Noita. N O I T A. It's finished. Channel the fin. Oh, channel the fin. <laughs> is it finished for wand? A witch, I believe. A witch. I believe, yeah. Uh, Noita is um, a really cool roguelike where where it everything is physics. <laughs> Every pixel simulated. Every pixel. So it's really similar, actually, to, um, to, to Breakdown. Breakdown? Yeah. Teardown. 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 Yeah. Um, so uh, side side viewed. It's um, inspired by um, those kind of Falling sand sands. simulation kind of um, kind of toy box toy 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 things play things that, that have been around for years and years. So you get all the kind of pooling liquid and kind of piles of sand when you break something and it all kind of falls through. And it has fire, and it has acid, and it has it has whiskey. All, that's one of like, the elements whiskey. that you'll just oh, really? encounter a vast vat of that takes up half a level. Like, oh yeah, that's all whiskey. <laughs> Let's what, see what, what, what are the properties of whiskey. Flammable. And if it just goes woof, like coal burns slowly but just doesn't stop, whiskey just goes up woof like that. What is the the game that they built within this simulated world? Um, it's a roguelike. So you are going through levels, and you are going down to the bottom, and in the bottom of the level there will be a series of teleporters and you basically have your health ga- health gauge to get you through that time um when you go through the teleporter you go through like institutional kind of area where you'll recoup your health fully and you'll recharge your wands um the thing that actually pulls you through it are the motherfucking wands because they are amazing they are um uh sort of randomized or sort of generated these ones um so and they're made up of a couple of different fundamental components there's the wand itself and each wand has a different set of um slots spell slots within it and then things about charge time and do they does it just fire off each spell in order of how you put it in the slots or does it randomize them um uh, how much mana does it hold that kind of thing so lots of different kind of variables in the ones the spells uh Basically, you're programming your ones, really. Oh, really? So there are. So there's this is like, from the the Baber is you developer. So I mean, well, it, it yeah, has, I don't know whether he actually had that much. So he's definitely involved with it at some point, but I don't think he's been that that involved with it. Oh, really? Okay. I think it is. Oh God, Petri my Pearl. memories. Yeah, Petri. Yeah. So he's crayon physics. Yeah, and one other person. Oh dear. Oh dear. I should very remember all this, but I don't. But yeah, it's like I, I feel like I've, I've helped you out with about seven names so far on this podcast. So you are, I'm you letting are, that one slide. Basically, you are just, I, I yeah, I'm really old. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so you, you've got these amazing ones and, um, yeah, you're programming. So there are, um, there are sort of like purpley kind of lasery ones when you fire them, a little purple sort of bolt comes out fast moving. There are, um, kind of, you can shoot these kind of, almost mines and they come out reasonably slowly and then they'll bounce off surfaces and then eventually they'll pop with a small explosion that will hit anything nearby. Um, there are 
fire, explosive fireballs. There are grenades that you can shoot out of them, loads of stuff. And then on top of that, you can put, there are swells which will put um, a fiery um, trail on any spell that you shoot. There are things that will shoot two spells at once. Um, there are ones that make it, make each rapid fire more rapidly. There's a spread fire, um, sort of modifier there, like, <laughs> so basically as you travel through the level, um, you will find generated, um, uh, ones. You've got four, you can carry four at a time and you will, you, you'll, you'll come up to one. You'll look at it gingerly. You'll look at the slots, not know quite what it's going to do. You'll try out in as safe an area as you can find what it does and then discover that it suits a black hole <laughs> through the level, uh, exposing you then to some fucking nasty beast, which then comes at you. And then suddenly you've got to hurriedly run away. There's one that just creates like, a, a hill of sand basically yeah and so if you just fire that directly up you just suffocate yourself <laughs> oh, so yeah that uh, th- there may be a sand one um th- th- there's definitely one so th- there are also perks so in, in in situ areas you get to pick choose one of three perks um i chose one that that turned my blood to uh is, is it kind of um uh, plastic or kind of uh, <laughs> sponge or something basically this pink stuff just cut, starts coming out of me <laughs> And I thought, well, okay, <laughs> okay, fine. fine. <laughs> I got hit a few times, and then I got trapped down in like on on the sort of on a surface on a, on the land, and um, I got attacked by several things, and they were firing at me, and I got buried in my own plastic blood <laughs> as they kept firing. I was firing out, but it was just sort of not penetrating my own blood. I always knew that's how. And then go. I suffocated and died. <laughs> that was good. I won't be choosing that one again. Oh, wow. what, what was that like? A curse? Was it meant to be a good thing? Was there an upside? this uh so there is an upside to it in the sense of oh my god there's so much to talk about with this game there's so much going on so as i said before like this is like those kind of um uh, uh sort of substance falling, sand. falling sands kind of thank you <laughs> <laughs> and there are, there are lots of different uh substances like water and oil and um uh slime and this weird plastic stuff the plastic thing is, yeah. um so if you're wet if you've been in some water um it will take longer time to uh, to be set on fire because now you're wet if you're covered in oil you will go <laughs> into flames very very Shorter quickly time to and, also, <laughs> and also you're slidey as you're kind of trying to move around and you're slippery uh, there's um uh, so, so basically um if you've got that plasticky spongy stuff on you um you don't go on fire as easily. Ah, okay. So I and, do you remember that. And if you're covered in blood, yeah. your crit your crit chance goes up. Oh really? Yes. Oh interesting. And like if you douse yourself in blood, you can see the percentage that your 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 blood Even is. If it's somebody else's blood? Oh yeah. Especially really? if it's somebody else's blood. <laughs> there are remember, pools uh, of blood. So basically like just bl- there's fucking pools of great vats of blood and kind of like sometimes sometimes you just had such a big battle that just the everything is now bloody and that's i remember it just being generally good practice like bathe yourself in the blood of your enemies because it will make you more fire resistant in general and it has that effect as well yeah i'm just wet it's not that it's blood it's just part of the set of your lights i'm soaked so it's just a, it's like so basically you've got this incredible emergent stuff uh you have um a, a jetpack fundamentally so when you press up on wsad uh, you and it's very generous, so you're flying most of the time, and it regenerates. It, it sort of restocks very, very fast when you're on the surface. So you are flying around, trying to avoid getting covered in toxic sludge. That's bad, and acid. That's bad. Oh yeah. Trying not to go on fire. That's bad. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you probably will. Um, Is it quite hard? 
yeah it's really hard well right. the, the you know my first game i died very like within probably 45 seconds because i just blundered into a load of enemies eventually you learn how you know you know what the enemies what the threats are um uh now i'm mostly being killed by sort of enemies in the sort of second or third area there's there are these sniper motherfuckers <laughs> that you get this kind of targeting beam on you and the, you've only got a you can only see in an, in an unknown area an area i've been in before you've only got a fairly small radius of sight so you're just getting shot from stuff off screen there's a warning it doesn't feel unfair but they're the dangerous stuff to me at the moment right there so are these mother oh there are these floating there are these floating kind of beasts that shoot acid at you they're bastards <laughs> but then of course the problem with all this stuff is if they're shooting acid at you now the surface underneath you is now coated in acid yeah. and if you run out of um, your jetpack, you'll fall into the acid and then you'll try to take off before it's fully kind of, you know, and it's, death comes quickly is what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> when you, like, completing an area means getting to, like, a portal at the bottom, right? Yeah, and then you go right. to... Uh this strange interstitial place that's almost like, I think of it as like an Egyptian <laughs> sort of like temple. Yeah, it is a bit, um, yeah, yeah. And it, am I right in thinking that's where you can customize your wands? Like, yeah, so, so yeah, in that area, um, you, so the wands come with these presets and all the slots that I was talking about and the spells within them. You can then, uh, in that interstitial area, you can take one uh, the, the spells out of the slots and refit them in the way that you wish there's even a perk that allows you to do that anywhere which is oh, nice. really good hmm. um and because you're getting more ones that you can carry and so often you're kind of going through areas you're going i really like that spell but it's on a shit wand and <laughs> do i take it to the next area just so i can get the spell off it and put it somewhere else which is like generally yes do that do the ones uh, have names yet do they? When I played it last year, they're they all just called Wand. And when you looked, at first you're just finding, oh, it's a Wand. Oh, it's a Wand. And it does like, oh, this one seems to fast some kind of green shit or whatever. And then when you actually got into the stats and you understood what they meant and how they were different, when you read the stats, oh, you're like, I oh see. shit, this is complete. This is like yeah. a rapid fire shotgun. And yeah. the other one is like a slow sniper rifle. Yeah. But there was nothing in the name or the presentation that gave them that kind of personality. You had to yeah. sort of read it in. Um, I, I haven't noticed the name, so I would say, no, there are no names. <laughs> they're, yeah, but like, but you very like part of it is the exploration of what it's going to do. You know, you kind of like, oh, what's oh, what's this? And then, and you kind of, I had a really, really good wand, and it was I was so angry when I died because this <laughs> wand was fucking awesome because it had about six green shots. Green shots go really quickly, and they don't take much mana. They don't do that much damage. But I managed to find a rapid fire thing and a thing that was fired twice as well huh. put slotted them in and it was just this <laughs> barrage of death that i was and it was accurate as well and uh yeah that was a, that was a fine wand and you because you also once you've customized it you also feel that's my wand as well yes yeah, it's, it's um it's really good and like there's so much that could make it terrible because it is totally emergent and so chaotic but even in the depth you know even in the midst of a death where there was a fire. There was a fight somewhere else in the level. You, because you can the screen shakes. Explosions happen off screen because some other, you know, some of the enemies just got into a ruckus and started exploding each other. If that happens above you and sets fire to a sort of a, like a wooden struts, which then end up kind of detaching because they're now you know and then falling on your head and setting you on fire which was really wasn't your fault it's still okay that's fine <laughs> because you just think oh that, that's it's physics yeah <laughs> that's what i signed up for it's, it's really really good 
He really deserves it because it's done really well so far. Hasn't yeah, it? yeah, it was like number one on Steam. It's got a shit ton of reviews already. Yeah. I don't know sales figures, but that's usually an indicator. And yeah, it seems like it's done amazingly well. Yeah, and, and there are loads of kind of weird secrets and things going on. There's eggs, <laughs> <laughs> like so. If you this might be a bit of spoiler. Uh, if you don't want to hear a spoiler, um, don't want to know about just, the eggs. <laughs> just uh, I don't know. Just I don't think, think about, about eggs. Half like leave this room. Give me forty five minutes. <laughs> 45 seconds, minutes. Oh my God. God. I'm not sure I'm ready for this much egg chat. (laughs) There is, at the start of the game, like the start of the level, um, if you go right, that's where the sort of, the action is. If you go left, you go down a hill and then you come up against a, like basically what looks like a tree. You can boost up the tree. I didn't know this. (laughs) And there is a branch, like a little bit above, like, you know, you just keep going up and up and up and there's a branch sticking out. You've got just enough um, uh, rocket juice to get around the branch and onto the top of it and there's an egg on top of it. I found other eggs in in the level. This egg, if you throw the egg, this horrible kind of <laughs> sort of um, uh, like insect centipede thing comes out. Oh God! And it kind of attacks you, but then scuttles away, and then it might come back. And I've failed to kill it so far. Ah. And I don't know what happens if you do. I don't know whether that's a thing. <laughs> Just don't know. There's another in that area. Um, if you've come back, give me another few, few seconds. There's a, there's another area at the bottom of that tree. <laughs> There's some water and you can bomb the water and then you, if you've got, you can just with your O2 supply get into a little chamber inside it and something else. And then there's, mm. there are these tablets that you can find with kind of story stuff on them. Right. There's, there's, it's a really fully, fully made for this early access game. Yeah. So it's just launched in early access. Yeah. And so yeah, it'll be a while before it's complete. I think I'm probably going to wait till it's finished to go back to it because I'm curious to see how like the balance stuff works out. Mm. It was pretty hard. When I, I don't think it was too hard when I played it, but it felt like it was. It got harder so rapidly that it was, I was almost dispirited about like, uh, if I get past this, I'm just going to be hit by something twice as difficult. Uh, but I was definitely interested in the one customization stuff. Yeah. I mean, you can, you, you, you can really take your time in it. You don't, mm. like it, it doesn't have a splunky ghost. No ghost. After you at all. So you can take your time and, and like taking your time really, really does put things on, on your, you know, and there are always places to escape to. Like the the mistake is always to get into a fight. But the problem is that um, in the interstitial areas, there are uh, wands you can buy and sometimes spells you can buy. And they will cost sort of between 100 and 350, 400 gold. And if you're not picking up much gold, like you will never be able to afford that stuff. Um, but you can always you get gold from enemies, right? Yeah, you get a small amount of gold for from enemies. Um, but you know the balance there seems about right. The economy seems like all right to me. Like you feel rewarded if you don't, and not completely muddled if you don't. But you can always run away. You can always blast your way through a wall if things are bad. You know, you, there's there are always options if you're if you're taking things more steadily. I mean, yeah, but it does get harder further down. It's just reminded me that um, there was a Reddit thread recently about um, like what happened to those falling sand games and why isn't there like why isn't there just one on steam just huh. some version of that on steam because they, they saw a noiter and they're like you know this reminds me what happened to those uh and it mentioned in like they didn't uh as far as i saw this thread did not lead to anybody finding a, one on steam that was sort of a definitive one but they did mention what is this sort of i guess became the sort of de facto falling sand type game um which is called powder toy and i think it's i think it's released under some kind of um uh, like maybe Creative Commons license or some kind of collaborative license where people can kind of add to it and it's been an ongoing community thing for a long time because it's insanely fully featured it's I mean it's still absolutely sandbox it's not a game Um, 
but uh it's crazy the stuff they've added to it and um i played around with it and uh you know you can make uh, put down sand and concrete and wood there's there's you know 17 different categories of things and they'll be like building materials like brick and concrete and that kind of thing and then elements like water and fire and and various things and then like explosives do you want to place tnt or um uh thermite or uh <laughs> there's some kind of I, I, I don't think it's a real element or anything it was just a kind of high explosive material and you place it and uh, if it, anything catches light to it it will uh, blow up violently uh, and then there's radioactive materials <laughs> and then there's uh electrical elements so there's a there's a whole like almost like redstone in minecraft there's a whole electrical system where you can set up working circuits and electricity is an element that will pulse through anything you build any kind of metal stuff and an electrical current goes through it you'll see it kind of pulse through as this like almost like a sound wave going through the material um and then there's a really slick community integration where you can just sort of press a button and browse uh, creations other people have made i downloaded one someone made a nuclear reactor Because there's nuclear materials and they they have the physical properties that they have in real life, you're actually able to generate energy from them if you know how to how to make a nuclear reactor. Make your steam. Uh, and this person had, turbine. This person made a nuclear reactor and you can watch it work and it's kind of fascinating. Yeah, exactly. It heats up water and that does create steam and that does create pressure and that does create electricity and you know all those elements are in there for that to work. And then you, as the player, can just drop some thermite on it. <laughs> like, what, how? What do I have to break for this to no longer produce electricity? And then what do I have to break for it to really? I was basically. My knowledge of how nuclear reactor works comes from Chernobyl, <laughs> the TV series. And I'm like, what do I have to do to create Chernobyl in this environment? It sounds like this exactly the same pattern as your dad showing you, like this flight simulator. <laughs> it's, um, it's amazing. And, uh, other than like looking at community creations, creating something yourself is actually pretty difficult. It's quite a kind of, there's definitely, I mean, the sandbox thing for me at least is, is, you sort of throw some stuff at each other and see if anything happens. And then you sort of settle onto like, oh, the explosive thing is just inherently fun. I should just blow everything up with the explosive thing. Um, and I did find it was fun. If you keep blowing things up, obviously it generates a lot of heat and different materials have different heat retention properties. And like metal obviously um, heats up uh, and that can catch, make things catch fire. But crystal is has incredibly high temperature um, sort of resistance. And that means if you blow up a load of stuff near it, it gets incredibly hot and it stays incredibly hot for for ages and so ages after you created the explosion if you put any wood near the crystal it just fucking bursts into flame um so it's got such sophisticated physics modeling and then i kept browsing through this menu and i found out they also added conway's game of life to it so uh for anyone who doesn't know what that is it's a a sort of uh almost like a theoretical set of rules where um you uh just to make Conway's game of life sort of algorithm, you just write a rule for like, uh, that each pixel is going to run and you tell each pixel, if you have three neighbors that are also, uh, if you just have three neighbors, three other pixels near you, uh, you should turn yourself off. And if you have less than three neighbors, you should turn yourself on. Uh, and then that runs on every pixel and th- therefore, um, you can create, it's sort of the ultimate in emergent gameplay and it's very simple rules, but it creates incredibly complex, uh, results. And it's very easy to make a, a algorithm in Conway's Game of Life that will kind of go on forever, but will never fall into a obviously repeating pattern, or it will fall into a repeating pattern, but one that uh, moves itself through the space. So these pixels will always be dying, these pixels will be, always be creating, but as it's doing so, it's progressing across the space. That's called a spaceship in Conway's Game of Life. And uh, actually, like two or three years ago, or maybe a bit longer, oh, yeah. uh, they discovered a new one. Yeah. And it was, it's, you have to kind of understand what's, what this involves to understand why it's significant. But this was in the 80s or even earlier, I think, um, that this kind of um, 
thing was was developed and they thought they knew all the spaceships all mm-hmm. the algorithms that would lead to a pattern that progresses across the space uh, without dying out or endless expanding or uh, going either direction and then someone just discovered a new one like a couple of years ago um but anyway those are in there <laughs> you can just paint with with spaceships like there's just a spaceship <laughs> mode and they'll just create conway's game of life algorithms that are going to rip themselves in this particular <laughs> pattern and there's one called maze which just uh, I don't know what the rules are, but the the result is that it creates walls that progress through the space in a semi-random fashion, but they're always one pixel apart. So it always creates a path that is then looping back on itself oh, and spreading. Yeah, and okay. it, it looks exactly like a maze. Yeah. Um, and that's just the thing that spreads. And it just kind of spreads through pretty much everything. If it hits some metal or whatever, it'll just take it over and it'll just go through it. Uh, so it's an incredibly viral substance. You put it down and it will spread forever. Uh, unlike, like the spaceship one would kind of progress through your space and, and not necessarily take it over. The maze one just spreads. It doesn't ever destroy itself. It just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Um, and then totally separately from all the Conway Game of Life stuff, there's a material called Virus, um, which is uh, uh, bright pink and it's that infects other materials. Um, usually, like if you have fire or something, it's not going to burn through everything in your level. It's going to burn through all the wood and the plants and stuff, and then it'll hit the metal and it'll kind of die out. A virus just it, it eats everything. Um, but maize <laughs> will spread relentlessly. It's one of the most kind of uh, viral things I've, I've found in the game, and it creates matter. A virus kind of destroys matter. It, it consumes it, turning it into virus, and then the virus turns into like a gas. And so I ended up creating like. Conway's Game of Life maze versus virus. <laughs> the virus is infecting the maze, but the maze is constantly growing. And then if you leave it just like that, the virus takes over everything, I think. But the gas that the virus leaves behind turns out to be flammable. <laughs> I discovered this because I still had some of my super hot crystal lying around the level. And so when the virus gas hit that, it ignited and caused this sort of wave of explosion that caught up to the virus. And the virus is eating through the maze the maze is spreading into everything that isn't virus. The fire is burning all the virus gas. <laughs> and this ends up going in like, I couldn't quite get it to go in like an infinite loop, but as I, as long as I had one of those tools ready, I could kind of paint around the level to keep this endless <laughs> chain reaction going where these things are chasing each other through the level. Oh my God. There was a, uh, I, there is an electricity thing in, um, in Noita. Oh yeah. Where, uh, you, there was a perk I got which was constantly, I, I am now um, immune to electricity, but I'm pulsing out electricity <laughs> to any surface I'm, I'm touching. Um, I thought, oh, that's probably, I don't know what it's going to do, but it's probably fine. <laughs> it's not fine. <laughs> it's not fine at all. Uh, I don't know quite how it happened, but I got set on fire because I stood in something. And I think the electric, probably electrified water, and I think spark from the electrified water ignited something in the air around me and i was sort of set on fire and i died that was good. sounds like the um the electric phantoms in prey uh, there was a perk where you could get a phantom on your side like it would just resurrect a phantom and it'd be a, ra- a random type and if you got the electric one and just like oh for fuck's sake <laughs> electric barrier is going to follow me around now and just like i know you're not trying to electrocute me but every time you go near an explosive barrel <laughs> you automatically detonate it <laughs> that makes you much more of a liability than you are an advantage shall we do some questions from questions yeah that's a good idea isn't it uh chris writes Dear plate of fried Chewbacca. In 1977, the Voyager spacecraft set out into the vast expanse of space-time, carrying a golden disc containing sounds and images selected to portray the diversity of life and culture on Earth. Given we now live on a planet with more interactive media, what games would you fly into space to illustrate the story of our planet and humankind? Mm. Keep up the lovely pods. Thanks, Chris. 
Uh, it's kind of easy, isn't it? Right, it's Left for Dead 2. <laughs> of course. <laughs> More or less how it went down here. How about you guys? <laughs> What's up with you? I, I think I'd, I'd send them maybe uh, my own personal Kerbal Space Program playthrough so that they would never think us an interstellar threat. No threat. No threat. <laughs> yeah. I send them They'll never get off. They'll never get off that blighted planet, those little green bug-eyed idiots. I would send them my powder toy save where an endless maze is creating itself. A virus is eating the maze and a fire is eating the virus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah is there any game which which demonstrates humanity's you know capacity for wonder and great learning and you know etc i mean if, goose if i was going to go <laughs> untitled goose game <laughs> wow <laughs> yeah that's like, what we're dealing with if you can do anything about the geese please do yeah. <laughs> we could certainly uh subjugate those spongy looking bipeds but that that white beaked monster will never land on this well, planet i will assume that the white beaked monster is is, is the sendee <laughs> yeah yeah um, uh, I was about to say something really boring, which is kind of like, well, actually, go on, give us your will. Actually, games are just like no aliens can be able to play a game because they haven't got fingers <laughs> and stuff. Yeah, or brain suppose, stems. You're hoping to luck out that there is a uh, a life form which is similar enough to us that it would understand what a game is. In- just there are just so many like inherently human things. You could probably send any game, and like it would just give like a really big sort of human idea of humanity like mario and they're like oh one is meant to because you get those ais that are meant to you know learn how to play a game you yeah know, you give it to an atari game and this ai works out how to play it like what is a win state and you know how to persevere with it and you know i think that there's some probably something in analyzing that that actually tells you what a what a weird fucking bunch <laughs> i mean do this? it does feel like if they could if they had the sort of skills to in- understand and interpret it, that they would tell them even more about humanity than sending them a movie would. Yeah, you send them Citizen yeah. Kane and they learn one thing, but you send them Mario. They're into like- sledges. Wow, okay. <laughs> they never ride on them. What's all that about? And the names are so cryptic. <laughs> but yeah, like, sort of... But just, just the fact that in very fact... you get this sort of, like, there's some sort of hunter-gatherer-ness about Yeah, just the, the of- fact that there's a goal and you achieve it and then you yeah. move on, that can, that might be alien to them. Something and- restless about them, maybe. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. And must be eradicated. But even, <laughs> yes, of course. <laughs> yeah, actually, all, almost all video games would teach them that we will <laughs> We're attack not any threat, conquer any situation, <laughs> must dominate, will not tolerate any other power. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you wouldn't send them Halo, would you? Or, um, I mean, it, yeah. half our games are about killing it. Yeah. I mean, but even, you know, like, even games like Minecraft, they, they have internalized, uh, a sort of, but consumerist, yeah, no, I yeah. don't mean consumerist in the sense of buying and selling goods, but consumerist is in like just consuming the natural world around you. The world your is own there end. to be exploited. Yeah, and I think uh, any other alien species would see that as both naive and also slightly disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> well, you'd hope. Well, it is. <laughs> the, um, the, well, the 4X games are like, yeah. Fucking terrifying. <laughs> no, very few of those X's are good. <laughs> Explore is alright. Yeah. Exploit? Exterminate? <laughs> Let's send them Neptune's pride. <laughs> oh, it's okay, At least everybody. then they would destroy each other. Yeah, we don't, need to, we don't need to eradicate them. They'll do it themselves. <laughs> well, I think we've successfully doomed humanity with that question. Uh, Jack writes, Hello, Charlie and Charlie, spelt two different ways. Hmm. Uh, I'm a second-year philosophy major in the U.S. Despite this grievous defect, I still enjoy <laughs> things that good, normal people enjoy, such as the Mass Effect series. 
Imagine my surprise when sitting in a modern philosophy, uh, sorry, modern political philosophy lecture on Hobbes's Leviathan, I leapt to the realization the Mass Effect rips concept after concept from Leviathan when it comes to the Reapers and the Geth. I'm sure this might not be news to some of you, but it certainly was to me. The more I thought about it, the more I became certain that the parallels I was seeing were more than mere coincidences, and the, that Mass Effect's law, in the original game especially, is built to reflect Hobbes' ideas. This in turn made me annoyed, since the majority of videos I've seen in Mass Effect are sub, uh, surface level plot analysis, or attempting to shit on slash justify Mass Effect 3's ending. Until I typed Mass Effect Hobbes Leviathan, I couldn't find any material that backed my original suspicion. So my question is this, I realise no one likes it when a writer bashes you over the head with how smart they are, but it's clear that a lot of people who make games have more going on in their narratives than just trying to tell a barebone story. Why is it then that popular game analysis generally avoids talking about subtexts and themes that add coherence and flesh out a game world, and instead focuses on, find, <laughs> on finding things to shit on? Also, is there any way that the gap between developers putting interesting ideas into their games and players experiencing games primarily as objects of easy entertainment could be closed or diminished? Thanks, and all the best, Jack. I think there's no great mystery to why like a review in PC Gamer doesn't mention this stuff. <laughs> um, I, obviously, a primary cause would be the reviewer not knowing that Hobbes is Leviathan. I did study philosophy. I don't know Hobbes is Leviathan. <laughs> so I didn't pick up on that. Um, and I did review two of the three Mass Effect games. Um, but even if I did, I probably wouldn't mention it because I'm writing the review for the reader and the reader is, uh, by and large probably won't know Hobbes Leviathan. Hmm. Um, and so what do they gain? I, I could explain to them and I could explain how this thing references it to it. But at the end of the day, w- w- do they understand more about it than if they didn't know it references thing or less? And in, in particular, do they understand more about whether they'll like the game or not? Like if you say, well, this is really like Hobbes Leviathan meets Halo. <laughs> well, I know Halo. Uh, <laughs> I'm still nonplussed about the other thing. And so in order to use that reference point, I would have to explain Hobbes Leviathan, which uh, I don't know. Like I say, I don't know it. So I can't say how much word count that would take up, but I'm sure it wouldn't be worth it. There's also like, you know, for, for this particular, uh, reference, like you have to go into spoiler territory and like games like most other popular culture are massively in spoiler culture where you can't talk about this stuff because people will complain that they, you're blowing the story for them, which is legitimate, illegitimate. I don't know. I'm not going to judge that, but it's like that, that is the case. You can't talk about it freely. Um, what was edges like, uh, extra? section for like when you review a game you could have an extra section where you just talk about one particular theme Mm, or or concept and go deep on it where that was a space and we did talk about i mean we did yeah we did talk about spoilers we did what was that called Uh, afterward or something yeah i can't remember i can't believe we need to (laughs) extra life is going to be some sort of game thing that's pc gamers thing extra life that's true yeah oh my god my section extra life but um yeah there is there is space in some but then um, I, often with a game, I, I don't know. But but don't I mean there are YouTubers out there who there who do uh, dig into the the deep lore of these things and extrapolate some somewhat, somewhat tenuous connections between things. I mean I've done that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, I yeah I, I don't know that this is a, a market that's underserved. Maybe not by reviews for the reasons that you you say, Tom. But I mean I, I'm pretty sure there there's theorizing out there about game law in general. Yeah. I just wonder if I mean I, I think his his second question is 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 probably the kind of more interesting the two about how um 
how you go about putting interesting ideas into things which are going to be consumed as entertainment because you need to get over the idea that people aren't necessarily going to engage with this stuff directly and then how do you seed your entertainment product with these ideas when people are just going to be you know spinning around on a tabletop while a cutscene plays which is <laughs> you know what i do i think i the way i see it is like is there if you're taking some, you know, celebrated literary work and you want to work something from that into your game, it's not a question of like, how do I make sure people appreciate I've done this? It's what am I trying to extract from this great mm. work? You know, you're always standing on the shoulders of giants when you're writing anything. If you've ever read anything, <laughs> you are uh, strongly influenced by by your uh, set of experiences. But I don't think there's any value in just sort of pointing to other stuff and just saying, look, we, we yeah. touched on this. It's a bit like this. Yeah. <laughs> Therefore, we get credit. Uh, I think you have to say... What does this work do that is valuable to me and that will be clear to my players? Yeah. And if it's not clear to my players, you failed. Like <laughs> there was no point in referencing it. Right. And I, I think I Mass Effect does does a job of kind of exploring. I mean, maybe not the extent that like a literal philosophical treatise does, but I mean, it does a job of exploring different ways of organizing your society right in as much yeah. as whatever the, the insectoid species have uh, like a, a communal psyche or whatever and that is that is obviously different from democracy you know <laughs> <laughs> um, i not quite i actually don't know how insects uh, will organize their societies well no i don't know how <laughs> leviathan fits into the geth isn't the main reaper called leviathan <laughs> yeah but also <laughs> I can't remember. But aren't, aren't the aren't the Reapers just like a? I, I've, I've actually forgotten. I actually remember more about Leviathan than I do about the Mass Effect. <laughs> Wait, um, Alex, do you also know Leviathan? I don't, I don't know either of these things. Okay. I'm bored to hell of <laughs> Mass Effect. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I think I remember most of Mass Effect stuff, so maybe together we can figure it out. Okay. Well, how, how are the how are the either the Geth or the uh, Reapers organised? Uh, so they have, they the have, Reapers were they meet me every Thursday, <laughs> every millennial Thursday. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's, a, it's a long period of time, but when they do, they reap the all of the organic life and destroy it all, and they can reboot the whole system because organic life is always going to get out of control. See, and that's and then they sow. <laughs> So you could say that. Uh, <laughs> see, that then they created the Protheans, and the Protheans led to all the the modern races. Right. Um, and then the Geth. I can't quite remember what the Geth's relationship to the Reapers is. Friends. But I know the Geth are in a, a yeah, pals. They're just good pals. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing romantic going on, but they are good pals. <laughs> yeah. The Geth are like a replicating AI race, right? And they. Yeah, I don't think there's anything in Hobbes' Leviathan about replicating AI. <laughs> I think we need more okay. from the questioner. Yeah. <laughs> I think Hobbes Hobbes didn't do sci-fi. Did he? <laughs> what did he? Was it? I don't even know. Is well, this about Wales? Is, about... is it about Wales? No, it's are the are the Reapers of Wales? <laughs> Basically, they do right. look like yes, the squids. Reapers. Are <laughs> they do. Wales. Yeah, I suppose they do. No, it's it's about how. Um, it, I mean, it sort of shores up the the uh, kingship, basically, or like at least. Uh, Okay. It's a, it's about having a single strong body organizing the okay. rest of your society. Got it. Basically. Right. Um like so I don't understand how that works out with I think there's a there's a bit of a <laughs> okay. I think there's anyway. a, I think there is a there one can be carried away by being impressed that one a work in one medium references of work in another like a celebrated work in another and suddenly mm. That's great. E. Like, G. Well, you know. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. Whoop-de-doo. Like, it, so, <laughs> so, 
So Mass Effect, <laughs> the book which everybody still talks about for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Alex has had it with both of these <laughs> or doesn't. Leviathan, like I, there's a there's a bit of me that goes, okay, oh, <laughs> okay, <laughs> yeah, no, like no, and right. you know sort of and like yeah, it's good that people are learned and and maybe people will learn off it and that's fine, but it it doesn't it doesn't gain legitimacy for anything really, and and mm. I think you know. You know, there's a. This is only going to come out in the story aspects of games, like you know, as you were referencing earlier on, the way that games like Minecraft and things that like are tales about consumerism and about human, you know, humans and like you know, and, and there's there's much more to be explored in those kinds of things in games. You know, let's 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 be more impressed by that kind of thing and there are lots of games that that, mm. that handle big themes in mechanics and in in their in their existentialness nature to some extent i think, feel like as a developer the advantage of being well read which i'm not um is not to reference those things but to avoid them like the, mm. the the worst sort of fuck up from not being well read is just to repeat the message of some other thing without realizing you're doing it and yeah, thinking, totally. oh i'm making the super original point that fucking shakespeare made <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but right. i didn't read that particular play so um yeah and mean, so i'm like you know with you, wizards i'm i'm hoovering up all urban fantasy i can find and anything about like fantasy shit in modern day just to make sure i'm we're not exactly repeating someone else's work yeah i, I think whatever you do in games needs to be he- uh, illustrative of the ideas that you're employing rather than just reproducing those ideas as a sort of look what books I've read sort <laughs> of uh, thing you know and I think Mass Effect does do that to some yeah, extent because it certainly doesn't feel thing. like it you know, because it's it feels about, like any sci-fi yeah. thing like right, any yeah, good yeah. sci-fi does big picture cultural you these know, creatures are different stuff. to us how would they organize yeah, their society like, uh, is an interesting question and that's why i'm just totally unimpressed mm. by it because it's like <laughs> of course it like like it would be shit if it didn't yeah okay, yeah turn true. the page <laughs> <laughs> okay <laughs> turn the page thanks jack though for that question um i've had some whiskey now so i'm kind of <laughs> i'm a bit sleepy and a bit punchy it's <laughs> a bad combination uh Noel Honks, uh, if you were a villager in the goose game, what would the goose most want to steal from you? <laughs> mm. uh, since I mentioned it earlier tonight, uh, my bathrobe is my prize possession. I knew it would be his bathrobe. Uh, I don't know if you never had like, I asked this for my birthday one year because I, every time I'm in a hotel and there's a big like towely bathrobe, I realize, fuck, this is amazing. I just like get out of the shower, put this on and the drying just happens. I don't need to perform any further actions. Just go about my day and just, I'll be dry soon. Uh, and there are so few jobs in life where you can just wear a garment that does the job for you. <laughs> this is one of them. So, and anyway, so- I've, I've taken this, uh, not, I don't take it on every trip I go on, but if I'm, if I'm away for like more than about two weeks, I'll probably take my, enormous fucking butt and it's like thick and it's dense and it's bulky and so it's a whole fucking suitcase unto itself yeah but i have i took it to sweden and i took it to seattle (laughs) did you so uh this when you wash it does it take a long time to dry uh i no it's just a normal dryer cycle Oh, that's good. Uh, that's good because I'm, I'm it wondering. Is, if it's a goose, wash onto itself. I if wouldn't the goose put anything else in like it. gets in and dunks it in a pond, like, <laughs> you're going to get really fucked off. What kind yeah. of physics nightmare is is the goose going to experience by trying to pull this large object? It's, yeah, it's 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 long and. Uh, uh, it's made of towely cloth, so it's like it's slightly inconvenient to drag wow. around. Actually, yeah. I think I'd have it would be quite easy to get it back from the goose because I think you just step on any part of it and the goose really can't get it out from you. <laughs> <laughs> and if you're wearing it, I don't think the goose could get it off you. 
Gooseproof. <laughs> it's, it's a, Always wear gooseproof goose, night garments. I mean, gooseproof is a strong claim. I can't back that up. But goose resistant, <laughs> perhaps. <laughs> goose resistance to a depth of 30 meters. <laughs> so I'm, goose resistant, that would be sort of like convex sort of surfaces, glossy <laughs> convex, mm. like basically wearing glass kind of clothes in case everything no in glass No beak falls. can penetrate my no night garment. <laughs> Actually, if, can't, like, if I was in the Goose game as an NPC, I bet the objective wouldn't be to steal my whole bathrobe because it'd be too difficult. It would be to steal the uh, like belt thread thing, you know, that goes through the loops. Oh, right. Is that uh, even when I'm wearing it, you could def- a goose could easily get at that. You chase after him, and then your bathrobe would uh, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and the Comedy police gone. would arrest you. <laughs> it wasn't my fault. Get Tom arrested for indecent exposure. <laughs> And Alex, in a small you, village like that, indecent exposure threshold is very low. <laughs> do, do you have any items that uh, uh, a little cheeky goose beak could uh, purloin? All of my items. The really? Problem- They're all goose beak sized, <laughs> are they? No, Everything the thing is, uh, uh, no, no goose can beat uh, the unending horror that is our rabbit. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Could the goose steal a rabbit? <laughs> Actually, yes, but that would probably do us a favour. <laughs> <laughs> Net win. <laughs> they just go together in this little sort of like hooligan gang. Uh, yeah, our rabbit, uh, he's Liz and I have house his name is archie he's small and he's brown and he uh has chewed through most of the wires in the house at some point <laughs> but still not killed himself somehow yeah, yeah really somehow. well insulated teeth. yeah he's gone through mains cables and wow. you know like all you know cables that attach to the you know normal plugs and no problem no hmm. problem hmm. so yeah like he no goose can live up to him <laughs> maybe she'd give him noiter to play and then uh yeah plan through that yeah he's shown no interest in video games at all for some reason <laughs> really <laughs> I, so i think the goose's objective would be to let your rabbit out like unleash yeah. the rabbit oh when yeah at home to make the cables be chewed that's yeah that's exactly it that's the nightmare scenario and we're <laughs> revealing our weakest points all of here. my favorite things in the house no longer work <laughs> yeah i didn't oh. uh i i moved countries and i didn't bring any anything back with me really so there's very little precious things that the goose could <laughs> steal from me See, that's that's a real goose insulation. <laughs> goose. Not having anything that a goose would think worth stealing. What about the, the amp thing that we're recording this very podcast with? There are all sorts of dials and plugs on that the goose can interfere with. That's true. That's technically crank crowbars, though, rather than mine specifically. <laughs> okay, what about while while crank crowbars recording a podcast, turn the volume down on one of the mics? <laughs> oh, that would be the worst. <laughs> Go again. V asks, what are your favorite games that taught you something real? about our own world or motivated you to look up stuff oh i know yeah uh i've been playing um magic the gathering arena oh yeah what's that taught you about our world <laughs> it, it taught me to look up magic the gathering cards <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah that, that figures magic gathering is for better or worse the thing in our world <laughs> every time i play assassin's creed odyssey i think i should go to greece but I don't. <laughs> Specifically, every time I go to Mykonos in in that mm. game, I endlessly sing the Fleet Foxes. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, yeah. yeah. You were there, Mykonos. <laughs> I just on a loop, nonstop. I never get tired of it. I never stop. 100% of the time. I'm any, even all the time I'm on Mykonos, I'm singing it endlessly. And even if I'm just looking at the map anywhere within range of Mykonos that Mykonos is on the map, I'm singing Mykonos 100% of the time. So, which leads me to believe if I actually went to Mykonos, it would be hell. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, oh, oh God. Shut up, Tom. <laughs> the, um, it's a good song. But it's weird, actually. I, I, um, I actually came across, I haven't actually been to it yet, but I, I have a cultist on Mykonos and I haven't been to it yet because I'm too under level. And I only noticed this uh, the other day and I sang to myself <laughs> the, the Mykonos song. It's, I, like, 
because I have it in my head so much, I, when I'm playing the game, I will load it up on Spotify and just like listen to it, um, thinking that it will get it out of my system. And like oh, after I hear the actual full song, that will get it out. I've, nope. I've pl- no, I'll just listen to that one song on a loop for like 15 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> but really, I don't, I don't know. I know no. about Mykonos. <laughs> no, no, no game you, has inspired you to. Great, what about you? Great you well, you're doing. I'm answering all the questions. I'm, exactly. Come on. <laughs> Come on, view. Oh you would God, no, I don't think I've you ever know it all. You think you know it all already? <laughs> Questioner, answer thyself. <laughs> oh no, uh, no, no. I am sure lots of games have made me look up stuff, right? Yeah, like like when you were playing uh, Crisis, you looked up <laughs> yeah. suits. <laughs> <laughs> what about them suits? Huh? Those, those thrill? Yeah, I, I, learned, I, get one of them? Uh, I learned Korean, actually, as a result of uh, playing Crisis. Just, you, know. you could argue that the time I took an archery lesson was half inspired by things like Skyrim okay. and Horizon Zero Dawn. <laughs> if the games make bows look cool, then it turns out they really are cool. I mean, it is, no, actually, I, I think, um, I mean, you mentioned Assassin's Creed. And obviously the Assassin's Creed games aren't really like bastions of historical... Learning. They've got a history mode, though. It's they got, got, got a history, history mode, mode. But I mean, uh, even before they implemented the history mode, I was looking things up as a result of those games True. to sort of check the rest. It's, it's one of my favorite things to do with any kind of historical drama is to, is to listen to it and then look up phrases that appear in that drama and see if they actually exist at the time. Ripper Street is one of my was was like just ah, oh, I mean, it's not a very good show, but it was a goldmine for looking up etymology of words to see if they were in fact parlance <laughs> at the time, and it was surprising how many of them in fact were. Bloody hell! Um, yeah, because um, <laughs> Deadwood's stuff isn't very no at the time at all, is it? No, Although it feels like it probably maybe it was it to our stupid ears. No, it's it's designed to have a sort of. It's Deadwood is one of the most interesting uh, uh, linguistic exercises of in any drama ever because it's designed to sound sort of oldie worldy but in fact they're actually using language which would never have been used mm. none of the swear words they would have would have used at that time would have been anything like as uh coarse or as mm. uh, as precise as the ones that they're using that show and yet it has a sort of oldie worldy veracity because of the the weird sort of it's circum- rhythms, isn't it? you nan- say fucking as if like it's as if it's a new word in their mouths or something yeah but it's also that everything they say is just so sort of uh, a roundabout yeah. you know it's it's nothing nobody says anything outright they sort of wind their way around every single thing mm. that they say and it's beautiful it is mm. the most it is the most Shakespearean <laughs> piece of dialogue that has existed since Shakespeare I think it's, mm. it's I, I love that show so much <laughs> <laughs> did you see the movie Yes. Yeah. I mean, it is as it's a bit good. Of fans. Oh, it's like a fan work to me. It's like it's just like yeah. this fan, fan, fan frotting. <laughs> yeah. I think it's as good as it could be within a time frame. Like, I mean, there's no way that they could have tied that thing up in a bow within an hour and a half. Yes, yeah, so it don't. And yeah, well, that is that, that's, there that is was, that was my that. that was how what I thought about. But it. at the same time, I, I did feel like I needed closure, and and in a weird way, the thing is, oh no, I reopened it because like I'd, I'd sort of enough time hmm. had gone by that I was sort of like that's okay, let it lie. Yeah, and then right. this comes back in, and I found it so like the wound hadn't exactly scabbed over. It hadn't but it scabbed was, over. Uh, this fucking got it you'd right back how much it itched. Yeah, I feel. But in in a, in a strange way, I could sort of use my imagination to think how that fiction would have played across a season and how satisfied I would have been. <laughs> you know, 
it's a weird uh, it's a weird piece of sort of mental gymnastics you're doing there where you're being unsatisfied by a product but imagining it in its true form <laughs> and being satisfied by that somehow yeah fair enough but it yeah. is uh yeah that show is is, is definitely it's, it's uh, i think that eventually overtook uh the wire as as my my favorite piece of prestige drama over the last two decades now i don't know when, when, when it started actually yeah i can't remember it was interesting how um around like shortly after origins launched there was some new discovery about a pyramid um that was actually backed up by how origins models the interior there was there's an interior of a pyramid in origins that where it wasn't actually known what the interior was like back in the day um but the people who designed it at ubisoft went off a theory somebody had that was unconfirmed and then after Origins was released, it was confirmed. And they, they got to look really prescient because the, the way they modelled it in-game oh, wow. to be completely true. That's awesome. So, so the way that it was, everything was very, very codified number of blocks, which mm. were exactly the old jump height and uh, <laughs> a little slidey bit that you go under, which is the same height. It turns out, yeah, all the cool under. bits are behind some urns that you break and then you get to do <laughs> yeah. a power slide underneath to get to the cool treasure. And then, yeah, you have to then slide the, 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 the box things made out and of actually, bamboo. And actually, until they played Assassin's Creed, our, our archaeologists never thought to do a power slide they're into all the secret bits they had to throw so many torches at so many snakes actually i tell you again that genuinely did uh, so actually it was as a result of the discussion on uh, the creating crowbar podcast uh that what, what, you may have heard of <laughs> uh about uh Kim- kingdom come deliverance oh, yeah. um about the veracity of that game i i, I um because I have some familiarity with medieval Europe of that period, but not specifically Bohemia, that I started looking up uh, about that. And I discovered that, uh, to, to my surprise, uh, King Wenceslas was a, a famous Bohemian king. I didn't realize he was a famous Bohemian king, but but also he was uh, one of the only people to uh, to defend themselves successfully against the Mongolians. Oh, really? Because as a result of your discussion, I was like, well, you know, I mean, Bohemia could not have possibly at that time withstood the Mongolian horde. So they would have been familiar with outsiders as a result of that. But it turns out they did withstand wow. the Mongolian horde as a result of King Wenceslas, uh, who first wow. looked out on the Feast of Stephen and then got his snap conked by a snowball, as everybody remembers <laughs> from the famous song. Do you know how he likes his pizza? <laughs> no. How does he like his pizza, though? Have you heard the shook? What's the punchline? Deep pan, crisp and even. <laughs> okay. Excellent. But yeah, so that's that's a, a, a game that through its controversiality uh, required me to look up and challenge my own knowledge about the medieval hmm. period. So there you go. It did some good. Yeah, that's actually true. I, uh, back to Assassin's Creed. Um, yeah, the Assassin's Creed 2 and the uh florence and things was yeah that was a i had no idea that leonardo da vinci created hidden blades for assassins (laughs) 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 gotta look that up yeah uh so our final question uh via serif um uh wrote i've been playing anno again so uh how far along the aesthetics versus pragmatism scale are you all when you play games for example, I use grids for Anno 1800, but they're 10 by 10 grids so that houses don't pack in perfectly and there's an opportunity to do a, a little uh, asymmetrical blocks with trees and ornamental bushes in them. Are there certain games that are exceptions to your place on that scale? I remember um, playing Islanders recently and that's a game where like adjacency really matters and if you put a, a house within range of a mansion, it gets some kind of bonus or something. 
but it's not strictly grid based. It's kind of a little bit pixel perfect and, uh, figuring out how to sort of cluster houses around a mansion in such a way that it gets an action benefit is a part of the challenge of the game. But I also felt obliged to do it in the prettiest way. And if it, if there is a, like a spot where this is probably optimal for packing efficiency, but it kind of looks dumb. Oh, parks as well. If you replace a park, that's obviously a, a boost to all the houses around it. But um, placing them in a way that the houses arrange around it in a really neat fashion uh, was difficult. And so I think I would say that I was about 80% mechanics and 20% aesthetics <laughs> in that thing. Like if it's going to really screw me, I'll just do the other thing. But if it's if it's a question of like, oh, I'll lose a little bit of the, the optimal benefit from this, but it looks way nicer, I'll do that. I think I start with the idea of being aesthetic, but then I think I have this probably naive belief that that there is aesthetic sort of quality in efficiency, and you know, mm-hmm. kind of, I'm thinking about like uh, starting a city in um, city skylines or something like that, where you start designing the road, and like, surely an efficient road system is also beautiful, <laughs> um, and then I start doing that fuck up somewhere down the line and then adapt to a rapidly chaotic situation <laughs> uh, uh, and end up in just aesthetic hellhole <laughs> land. Yeah. Which I think is, yeah, my approach. I think we could probably extend it to stuff like, you know, sort of fashion soulsy stuff. Mm. Where do you look good or you play good? <laughs> and I think that I start off trying to look good and then end up looking like a raggedy man <laughs> just so I can survive. Yeah, I, I think I, it's, it's it's a really tough conflict for me. I always feel like horribly divided along these lines. But then uh, ultimately I get to a point where I probably satisfied the requirements of uh, min-maxing at one level. And then uh, if I've ret- achieved some kind of aesthetic plateau at that point, that I don't ever change it. So uh, I, I achieve some kind of compromise and then I'm happy with that for the rest of the game, even if that doesn't actually ever match my standards of aesthetics or the game's demands. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's, with uh, Assassin's Creed Odyssey, they introduce a sort of transmogrify kind of thing where you can like mm. take a piece of equipment and just match it to the appearance of... I think, I think it's any piece you've ever found. So it doesn't have to be currently in inventory, but you do have to have discovered it at some point. You like whatever you've discovered, that's the palette of things you can change the appearance of your current equipment to. And there's a particular kind of, I can't remember if it's a property of like the arm guards or, or of the breastplate, but, um, when you equip this, uh, Cassandra has these, her arms are kind of wrapped in like black bandages where the edges of the bandages are gold. And it looks fucking awesome. <laughs> and so every, I have three different outfits, like one's assassin, one's warrior, and one's hunter. Um, but every one of them has to have like that element of it in, in there. Cause it just looks so good. It looks good with like a sort of sleek, stealthy outfit where you're just trying to go for minimal, like, um, uh, silhouette. And then it also looks good with like massive ornate shoulder pads for the warrior type builds. I always, I feel a bit sort of odd because I'm, I'm at that difficult point in, um, in Destiny where it's the start of a big, very, you know, it's the, it's the very bottom of a very, very sharp, uh, sort of, um, leveling, uh, cliff, uh, cause it's the start of an expansion, which means that you, you're picking up even the crappy blue stuff, like the, the, the shittest <laughs> drops and 
And there is no point trying to use those to boost up the power of um, your good stuff, your nice looking stuff, because you'll get something else and it costs a lot of resources to, to boost up stuff, which is it's transmogrified. Well, it's not really transmogrified, but it basically means you can, you upgrade your stuff, you know, so that it's as, as high level as you can get it. But yeah, there's no point doing it because, because you're always, your level's going up quite quickly, mm. you know, getting 10, 15, 20 in a, in a short session. And which means I look, awful all the time <laughs> and you do see yourself more than in like in modern right. destiny than you used to like you see always see yourself on the pause screen that was on about earlier on but but like there is cutscenes and things now more of them and oh it's just it's just awful and I've, i'm now at the stage where like not only is it an aesthetic thing but i've, I've had to drop my gun like my, my nice guns because my these shit guns I picked up are better. Oh, that's sad, live with them until yeah. something nice comes along. It's always really depressing in a game where you, uh, you you've got some kind of special. This happened to me in um, uh, Divinity, where you you can get unique uh, or like epic items early in the game, and they have all this kind of you know uh, elaborate lore around them. Yeah. And then you get like you get up a level and then you get that level's common item yeah. and it's way better. And the description is like, only a piece of shit would pick up this weapon, you twat. And you're like, yeah, but it's, it's going to kill things. Whereas the other one doesn't anymore. This, that tension, I really hate it. I hate it. And it like, it, it makes mm. no sense. And it's really depressing. Like it's almost a, yeah, yeah, it it's almost depressing. a jab in the eye for, for, um, <laughs> for, for, um, for, 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 for leveling up. Someone has got to fix this. Has it been fixed, Tom? Has anyone fixed it? If not, could you fix it? <laughs> you should make all your items in Wizards really insulting, like dumbasses, swords. I don't you don't have swords, whatever. Censor. We had them in Heatsey. Were any of them dumbasses? <laughs> no. Dumbasses swords? Uh, not that I can remember. There were, there were some jokes about, like, why weapons were created, like the grenade launcher shotgun. <laughs> you got a little bit of dialogue from when that was invented. Yeah. <laughs> um, we didn't do leveled weapons really, and I no. probably won't with wizards either. Uh, so it probably won't come up, but it doesn't seem like a that difficult a problem to solve. Like to don't make high level mundane shit, <laughs> but you're going through yeah. it from like, you know, in Odyssey, you're, you're picking up like legendary grade stuff, you know, at level five. And then, you know, half an hour later, like, <laughs> fuck that shit. Yeah. I mean, what does that even mean? Like, was that a legend for just people who are, who are rubbish in the world? <laughs> legendary for farmers, <laughs> but was, otherwise not legendary at all. When Odysseus was a baby. <laughs> yeah. Stupid. That's what I find fascinating in like Assassin's Creed is, is, you know, you find a, uh, a special weapon. You actually, I don't know what I bought to get this, but I, for some reason I have a bunch of special items just delivered to my character when I start, like at some level five sort of unique weapons like the, the sword of dusk and the shroud of dusk and all this other stuff uh which you can never get rid of you're not ever allowed to dismantle oh, yeah, them or yeah, sell yeah, them because yeah, yeah. it's like oh was, i don't know you pay money for this i guess i, I didn't not knowingly but is that well, I've, I've got a few of those and i just don't know what it might be like a for buying you know at launch or something or nice yeah, yeah. digital edition or you can almost not avoid bonuses <laughs> even if you don't want them well however you buy you get some kind of perk for it um but uh those things, I've completely forgotten what I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> How did oh, I start nice. the sentence? You can't sell them, you can't dismantle them. That's annoying. Yeah. Did I have another point? Does anybody know? It's bad. It's bad. True. <laughs> also true. <laughs> I sometimes worry about like the, so, so like, 
app Bungie or, or um, uh, Ubisoft or whatever, like someone still has to make the shit stuff, right? Like, <laughs> like it, in, yeah, in terms of sheer weapon, objects, right? so. like creation, there's, there's lots of effort that goes into them. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, yeah. everybody just trashes them. Like, there, there must be loads of kind of blue level and even below grade stuff in Destiny that I've literally never seen because I immediately trash it for the materials. <laughs> oh, that'd be a good and question some, to ask, like a, a like person, a, yeah. a bungee uh, yeah. asset maker. What was the most beautiful weapon that the designers decided to turn into <laughs> absolute garbage? <laughs> <laughs> and like, some of them have got this sort of rust effects on them. Like presumably to show that it's rubbish. Like yeah. someone really worked on that crap. The thing I wonder about, the thing I was going to say is um, in Assassin's Creed Odyssey, like there are regions have a level, and so yeah. you start off in like a you know a one to five region, and that's when you get your your sword of dusk or whatever. Um, and in that region, the guards are level five, and so are like the farmers and the shopkeepers and everyone else. And then if you go to like a level forty five region you know the farmers level 45 <laughs> and they won't fight you but if they wanted to <laughs> couldn't they completely kick your ass and couldn't like the six-year-old kid in that village <laughs> that's a level 45 six-year-old kid <laughs> they could invade the rest of the the of greece yeah. they could just like take I think, over i think one level 45 six-year-old could destroy yeah. the entire village that you started <laughs> they'd never have the damage output yeah, like, just people on kefalonia or whatever it is even if even if their raw damage like output would would eventually whittle down their hp i think there's also like a modifier where like yeah. if someone's more than 10 levels above you, you just do 0% yeah, zero damage. damage. Yeah, they're, 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 <laughs> if, if this secret got out, like it would completely change the power dynamic of ancient Greece. <laughs> Read that and weep, Thomas Hobbes. <laughs> Put that in your Leviathan and smoke it. <laughs> Um, anyway, those are all the questions that we have uh, time for. If you'd like to send us a question, you can do so at questions at creatingcrowbar.com or you can tweet us a question at creatingcrowbar um, thanks to all of our Patreon backers you can get to our Patreon account at patreon.com slash creatingcrowbar or you can watch well I mean you can listen to this entire episode on YouTube I mean you can watch it as well but it's pretty not that not that interesting it's just a static picture on youtube.com slash creatingcrowbar and you can join our Discord community which is linked on our website Crowbar.com. <laughs> .net, i.e. .net. <laughs> no, not .net. That might take you to some hacker, hacker site. Don't do that. Uh, I'm at Marsh Davis on the Twitters. Who are you, Tom? I'm at Pentadact, B-E-N-T-A-D-A-C-T. I'm at Rotational. Not going to spell that? Well, you didn't spell yours. Why should I? <laughs> Mine's obvious. <laughs> I think R-O-T- yours is actually less obvious than Rotational. It's true. Yeah. I was bluffing. <laughs> <laughs> but I won't spot it. So there. Anyway. Uh, do you know, is there a Twitter account at Marsh D A V I S? Oh, I don't know. That's, I think that's, that's how people will get it wrong. Oh, yeah. 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 Someone's posing as you, mate. Maybe I should pronounce it Davies. Davies. But I won't. <laughs> is that, is there a reason? Is there a reason I won't? Yeah. It's cause, is it because of, like, your culture? <laughs> yes, that's right. Yeah. It is generally true that the, the Welsh surname that looks like Davies on, in letters is pronounced Davies, right, in general. Yeah, in Wales. I mean, I, I, he's not Welsh. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> this is, I don't like this, the way this end podcast is ended. <laughs> I'm just going to say goodbye now and hope oh, it stops. Okay. <laughs> oh. Thanks, Thanks everybody. everybody.